0: Review 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 pa 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 review 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 pa 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 review 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 review
1: review with, with me and me. you pa
0: Welcome to our time to show up review episode where Natalie and I take a deeper dive into last week's interview
1: If you hadn't had the chance to listen to that yet, you might want to check it out before listening further here. It'll make a lot more sense that way.
0: That's right, because in this episode, we will be talking more about the theory behind the material that came up in that interview, so we can better understand the elements that were going on there.
1: We'll also be suggesting reading, practices, and models that may help listeners like yourself who are experiencing resonant challenges and opportunities in their own lives.
0: In this, our first season of Time to Show Up, we're making all of our content freely available to the public. But in the future, these review episodes will only be available within our subscriber community.
1: Members of this community will have access to all Time to Show Up content, plus additional resources, materials, access to online forums, live events, and small groups.
0: Since we know that just listening to stuff isn't usually enough to facilitate desired change, We've designed this community to give you the support you need to take your learning even further. And if you join us at the start of our journey and sign up before April 5th, 2024, we're offering a no strings three month membership for free at timetoshowup.org.
1: That's right. And if you choose to stay on with us, which we hope you will, we'll give you a 25% early bird discount just to say thank you. If you're tuning in after that April date, don't worry, you can still try out a free two-week membership with no obligation. There are different packages to choose from, and you can find out more and get in touch at timetoshowup.org.
0: So without further ado.
1: So we've just been reflecting on our conversation with a theme and thought we would unpick some of the key themes and maybe some of the practical elements from the conversation we had. Uh Erin, what most struck you about the conversation?
0: Uh, the thing that struck me the hardest, I think, was the um, firmness with which she said, uh, when you start something, you finish it. This is something that I learned from my parents. Yeah. And I kind of had a sense in the <laughs> beginning that that was going to be uh, a theme. Um, so we'll get into it a bit, but uh, like as a broad theme, the, the, the laws or frameworks mm-hmm. that we receive from our culture, from our parents, from society, that might be up for rewriting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be one for her. And uh, yeah, same question for you. What's like kind of your your standout? Um...
1: Well, I think it's in the line of obligations, mm. like what you absolutely must adhere to. It's like the spine of the way that you show up in the world um, around obligation and duties and the fact that she clearly has longing, but that all the other needs from other people from understandably her, to her family, to her patients, that those needs all have to get met first. And that even some of the smaller needs, I mean, obviously it's important to get fed, but if you've got a slightly sloppier rice or less uh, cooked, you know, the, 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 the list extended um, and really encroached upon the time that she could have taken for herself. So I think those are the, the key things, like the obligation and duties to others first and then yeah. to myself second. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: And I think, like in the broader picture, uh, those obligations in that law, you know, you start something, you finish it, mm-hmm. uh, then begin to create a whole series of obligations and things that you start that you must finish yeah. that kind of obscure something that's going on on a deeper level, which is about this, this fire of desire, right? Mm. It's like, I feel stuck because I'm not activating something. That I need to activate in my world. And she told us some history about having turned away, quite unfairly turned away from things that she would have liked to have done. So I had to give that up, but kind of maybe lost the direction of that fire. in that the solutions that we're thinking of, both practical and more process oriented, are about warming that up again. So it can kind of direct her to whatever might come next.
1: like fanning the embers. Fanning the
0: embers, yes. Quite
1: dormant. Yeah. And I think interestingly because she was saying that she wanted clarity insights and aha moments and I think for all of those things, I would suggest'll we'll need space and time for those for those questions to be able to land and then for any kind of uh, answers to start to arise and so that there was something around the spaciousness of her life and how everything is pushed in terms of the to-do list it just occupies all of the space and all of the time um and some of those things are really complicated, like the systemic issues that she talks about with the yeah. childcare, with the family issues, of um, perhaps taking on different roles, going away, coming back, realizing that the re-entry is going to cost a lot because it means that she hasn't been there for a week, so these things haven't been done, or the daughter's missing her, or I don't know, it's like the weight of her carrying everything else on her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, was really I kind of I, I read that into the conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it made me think of a metaphor of, um, you know, that you could say, like, the desire is the seed, right? Mm. And that seed, like, turns into a, a little sprout, right? Mm-hmm. And that all of these obligations, for, like, push down on the sprout, like, the yeah. sprout just doesn't get a chance to, like, grow. yes, and that both of us were thinking, you know, like, how do we make space? <laughs> like, how do we because some of that stuff is fixed, right? Some of that yeah. systemic around the childcare and around the needs of having a young child and the requirements of conscientiousness to be a GP and make sure that you yeah. get everything right. Like we can't really change a lot of those variables. So how do we kind of find space in there?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the other things as well, the kind of, which you pointed to in the beginning of the conversation was this discovery that she might want something different and what that might look like and what that means and you are you willing to entertain the possibility that the beginning of this process might take you somewhere where suddenly you realise that you want to change fundamental things about how you're living and she was really courageous. There was she was such, right there, right? Such courage, <laughs> um, and then the willingness to actually look at kind of I suppose some of the some of the key things earlier on, like when she wanted to do um when she had doubts about her medical training and people would say no you just got to keep going it's similar again what you start you must finish but hearing this from different places and then being turned away from urology which would have at least given her something specific to hone her perfectionism to kind of you know all of that stuff where it could have been really valuable to her and she would have excelled to then have that door shut as well or not to be able to explore when other people were exploring during that gap year time it's like lots of doors being shut to ways in which you could have really embraced some of those belongings.
0: Yes. And it almost feels like, uh, like it's naughty, right. To Mm. play and explore. Like there was, I think I forget how she said it, but like about the gap, the gap year, it's like, that's not what, that's not for you. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it's like so important if you can. Right. And of course, not everybody can find that time a year, but like to, to work your way towards something. Right. And there's great indicators here, right? So we know that she's got like a perfectionist side. Mm. We know that she prefers something with focus, right? That urology would have been and didn't happen and that maybe GP is too wide. So whatever it's going to be, it's probably going to be a little bit more coherent as a discipline, right?
1: Yeah. And so some of the, I mean, this one was a wonderful conversation for many reasons, but one of them is also the, the practical sides. There are specific interventions or practices that she's able to implement in perhaps smaller ways to begin with so it's not not such a huge leap of risk Um, listing the priorities that you have is it really necessary for you to hold on to all of the duties and tasks that you're currently holding on to you're saying about what can be let go of you know maybe it's once a week you have a takeaway um if funds allow and the rest of it or maybe it's once a week the husband takes care of the dinner and it's just not, not so good. <laughs> it's just not so good. Um, maybe that's the like you have a little bit more wine. I'm not advocating that one has you know, there's a way ways to manage expectation. But compromise, like it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be a bit playful and silly with that. Uh yeah.
0: And I think so, like that that the 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 practical and the psychological in that one also is being able to identify what we kind of call the pathological obligations and the non-pathological obligations. So like This is one, like, like, dinner's right. Like, okay, that can be let go of. You identify those things that can, like, you can let go of. And then that goes into, because then you're finding time, right? Just like stick into your calendar or like create is like tasks. You know, salsa is a task, right? And forest is a task.
1: And I think it's also the framework in which, you know, I think a lot of us have very busy schedules for various reasons. And if we don't block out, and protect specific time to rest, which sounds anathema, it sounds like you shouldn't, why should I block out time and make the effort to create time in which to rest? But it's really important, otherwise that time just gets cannibalized by duties, by overdue tasks, (laughs) obligations, to-do lists that never ever end. Um, And so the other thing I think in terms of the practical side is also the, well, two things. One is relationship, that her partner is, from what it sounds like from the conversation, is really up for her taking these new steps. So there's someone that you can be in partnership with and who can hold you accountable a little bit. So if you say, I'm going to do this one thing, maybe once a week to begin with or twice a week, go for a walk in the forest on Saturday. Can you help me with this? Yes. Can you help me keep accountable? There's something joyful about being able to do it in cahoots with someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's missed her, right? He yeah. said Like, or she said that he said he missed this part yeah. of her that was dancing. That was the happy part. Yeah. That was the so part
1: that he first He met. wants to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, you know, we don't have to do this by ourselves. It's sort of a theme that we're seeing in other places. But if you have relationships in which you can have a bit of support, getting these things into the diary and committing to them and showing up when you say you're going to mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, that's a really powerful place to start and quite a simple practice to engage in.
0: So managing the weeds, right? So again, big picture, small picture, you want to manage being in the weeds so that you can develop the heat under that fire so you can find out what direction you're going in. And one of those other practical things you may have heard of, um, the Pomodoro (laughs) technique, right? Which is a about setting a timer basically for a limited period of time in which to engage in some of those life admin tasks or work tasks, but that you're containing them and we'll send you just to the resources around this that you can find, but generally it's like 20 minutes or Mm -hmm. something and then you have a break and then you have another 20 minutes to do it and suggesting this because you want to bind those life admin because they will never finish. And if you don't put them in some kind of boundary, they will grow over everything like weeds. right? So it's like, okay, well, I'm doing three Pomodoros of like going through the stuff and then it's also class, then it's the woods, then it's a meditation, then it's like taking the time to spend with my daughter and my mm. husband and really intentionally choosing how you're structuring time rather than letting time structure you.
1: Yeah. God, I could really do with <laughs> then I forget right. these things <laughs> yeah, and then I get reminded <laughs> again. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned in our conversation between the deep session with Athene and this reflection session now was around deep work mm. which connects to Pomodoro because it's kind of switching off all distractions and giving yourself the time and space to actually dive with greater clarity focus etc into whatever the task is at hand do you yeah. want to say some more about?
0: Well, there's a book. We've mentioned it in some other episodes because I'm a big yeah. fan, Cal Newport, <laughs> and it's a, it's about setting time aside, really just for thinking or creating creative work. So you're not answering emails, you're not doing that that kind of thing. And I think, particularly for Athene, because she's already got so many demands in that world, it's actually again to overuse a metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's about that fire. So it's like when you're taking that space and you're going into the woods for a th- two hour walk or whatever you're thinking about, okay, where's my desire? Mm. What might that look like? Fantasizing, playing with the ideas Mm. of what could happen there. And it's time away from the weeds, basically. And then we'll get into this in a minute. But sort of, you know, part of the reason why that wasn't happening is because there's some fear about like, well, if my fire starts burning, then I might need to make some big changes in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And it does sometimes. But um You know, you you can find out first and then you can make a decision, you know, when that becomes clear, but you don't want to put the fire out before it has a chance to burn.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think because then it does just there's a really beautiful quote. I can't remember who said it and what specifically the words were (laughs) going to massively paraphrase it. But it's around the idea that if you have um, a desire or a longing to create something or to walk a certain path or to live a certain vocation, if you don't engage in it and you have the opportunity to do so, it ends up causing huge amount of distress, like it becomes this inverted passion. Um, and there is definitely something about that, that when you hear kind of the the call to adventure, especially if it's quite a quiet call because it's got mm-hmm. so much layered on top of it or accumulated over the years, that's when you really want to double down and, and make space for it. Um,
0: and I also just want to say that it's, it's counterintuitive, but Being stuck or being depressed Mm -hmm. is often like a masked version of that message. People often think like, oh, I have this desire, but I can't make it happen. But oftentimes it's like, I feel stuck, I feel depressed. And that's because there is an unrecognized desire there that's trying to creep Mm -hmm. out. right? So you want to listen. It's not always the case with stuck in depression, but a lot of the times it's carrying this unmet need. That's like, okay, well,
1: what needs to happen?
0: Yeah, what needs needs to change here? Mm
1: -hmm. I think the other thing which we didn't actually touch upon in the conversation um, with Athene was was about what her what the impact of her taking time away is upon the family dynamic and the daughter. And she was saying how it's actually quite costly to come back and that sense of when I go back to my quote-unquote normal life, there's going to be a cost to pay, which may well be really true. And also for the daughter, I'm thinking if she sees her mother taking time away... And is of an age where she can understand from her mother, look, mommy needs some time to go and spend um, in nature, so that I can feel more connected to myself and the world, and that gives me energy, so I can come back, and I look forward to seeing you, and then I've got these ideas I can share with you. Like there's there's a modelling element here as well, that if the daughter sees that her mother is also prioritising her well-being, and that that feeds back into the family well-being, and there's a sense of balance there and of needs being taken into consideration of the whole group, that's a huge lesson for a young person to learn to be like, well, especially if it's a daughter and she thinks, well, this is the path that I have. I have to be a full-time person working um, a, a long job. But then if I want to have a family, if I choose to do that, then there'll also be all these extra roles. Like to, to start to dismantle or at least start to question what that can look like. Yeah. Um, and to give a bit more of a flavor of, to use sort of the language of fantasy of when I grow up, what's the fantasy of who I can be? where my needs are also being considered, where I prioritize a fuller picture of involvement in my own life, where it's not just everyone else. It's also about me and that dance between all of these moving parts. Absolutely. And I, and I, we, we also yeah. discussed how <clears throat> the the contrary force
0: to making those changes is this feeling of discomfort that arises. A, when you break your rules, right? Start it, finish <laughs> it, or I'm obliged to do this, or yeah. I must, I must, I must. Um, that to be able to sustain um, and to tolerate the discomfort that it might be to take that space, the discomfort for your daughter too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, this is what I need, but then you're also modeling sustaining discomfort for positive change. Right. I need you. Yes. And I'm here for you. And I also need the space and that makes me better able to be here with you. I can sustain my discomfort around overboiled rice (laughs) (laughs) or, um, sustain the discomfort of the fear this provokes about like oh shit if i start changing this this and this something's going to roll forward and then what's yeah. going to happen that's also really uncomfortable but she also said really clearly i think i'm ready yeah i'm ready for this kind of discomfort
1: because there's also some i think sometimes there's the fear of of the fire getting out of control and burning everything down or of an unraveling yeah. and if you're in a family first of all just if you're in a family that's a lot of responsibility and then also patience and she was one thing that really stuck out to me was um the kind of the the fact that as a gp she would go back home afterwards and start looking through all of the different things if there was a red flag I my god how does you're literally taking on the world's problems and they have real impact Mm -hmm. how like how on yeah. one person's shoulders, that's quite a lot. And again, bumping up against the systemic, but maybe also choosing to take a vocational path at some point. We'll see what happens in the next six to 18 months if she chooses to share her updates. Um, what it might look like for someone with her drive and her desire to help, but also with this other longing that's, that's burdening, how that journey might change. Maybe she'll end up being completely something completely different to GP. Um where the perfectionism is an asset rather than something which weighs yeah. heavily.
0: Uh. Yeah. Cause sometimes that runs out, right? Like it's, it's good. Like, you know, you, I want a to be my GP. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like ruin her life, but I would like it if she woke up in the middle of the night thinking about my file and being like, Oh my gosh, I, I wonder if we should check this thing out. Yeah. So that's like a really great thing. Yeah. And like, sometimes those things run their course, right? Yeah. It's like people who do frontline trauma work in ch- charities abroad or, or, I don't know. There's there's a thousand examples, being a firefighter or even being a teacher, and it's just like you've got the energy to bring to bear on that for a period of time, and then it just kind of run its course. Yeah, and the it's chapter like, is complete. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but then the question is, what happens next? And it's a scary, scary place to yeah, be.
0: Yeah, scary and exciting. We yeah. want to like, I want <laughs> like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I want to push the excitement, but it's, it's scary and exciting. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, are there other elements that we want to draw out? I think we've covered most of the. Certainly most of the notes that I'd made.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think I'd just say one thing, which is this kind of like frame reversal kind of thing, which I said to her a little bit in the interview as well Mm -hmm. about you know, the obligation to others can be an obligation to the self that can be kind of turned around. And the perfectionism also can be turned around. So there's a way in which it works against you. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of get, not too much, because you don't want to replicate the same behavior in a way, but like if you get perfectionist, and obliged to be really curious about what lights your fire, right? And then that becomes a really important thing. Mm. You don't have to give up your care and obligation for others, right? And you don't have to give up getting it right for others. But if you spent half as much time getting Mm. it right for yourself as you do for others. I mean, we both (laughs) saw after that interview, we were like, whoo, she's got a lot of energy. Like she's like she's like ready. Your blossoming analogy, like she's so Mm. ready, and we're—I feel really excited about the potential (laughs)
1: to—to just go for it.
0: Yeah, I really like. I really felt it. Like honestly, I really felt
1: it. And I think there's there's so the other little bit which when thinking about reframing was around the experimentation, the and kind of how do you unhook dynamics that are so familiar that they feel unavoidable. So the kind of sort of signing up to a salsa class, which one do I possibly sign up for? Because then I'm in for however many weeks, mm. which is a whole term. And then if it's shit, then it's like, you, you know, and it's really easy to see how that can suddenly be like, well, I'm not going to do it because the cost becomes suddenly too high. But if the commitment is to experimentation, then you basically change the way in which you're approaching success. So then if success is not full commitment, finishing the whole course, despite hating it. Success is, Oh, I learned that I like this, or this is really not for me. Great, tested, sorted, figured out. Next one. Yeah, or even this is uh, good enough
0: for now. Like, oh, this it's not is the yeah. perfect one. It's, it's like it's getting me going. Yeah, yeah. Trying, it. trying it, getting getting your feet in the in the water. Yes, yeah,
1: and it's amazing how much things can change when you start to get positive feedback from that sort of more experimental style. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I'm really excited to check in with her. I felt like the interview ended with a lot of excitement on her part to yeah. try and, and <laughs> move some of these these things.
1: Ah, there was one uh, book that you mentioned that we should yes. give to you guys. So Getting Things Done by...
0: David Allen. I always say it's the best self-help book with regard to productivity you'll mm-hmm. ever get. It's it's not particularly psychological, but it is in the way that it teaches you to get stuff into a system rather than hold it in your head, which yeah, actually creates that. a lot of space. <laughs> it changed my life, I swear. I was so disorganized until getting things done. So I'll probably, forgive me if I mm. mentioned that a lot. Lots of people are really into it. GTD, this, it's like a cult status because I think it's changed a lot of people's lives. I'd also throw out a really old one, Go for it. like old psychology book. And <laughs> it, there's been a lot of revisions since then, but uh, Eric Byrne Games People Play. Oh. It's like from the 50s. It's definitely dated, but it's about scripts, right? So it's about family scripts that you live by, like start something, you finish something, you're mm. obliged to do this, and how you can identify them and then sort of start changing those kind of things. So it's kind of pop psychology. It's called transactional analysis. They're much more refined versions these days, but that's kind of the original start.
1: And I'm taking notes so that I can share these with you. So games People Play, Getting Things Done, The Deep Work by Cal Newport, Newport, which will also have been cited in some of the other episodes because that seems to be like a good focused one for our days of social media and split attention. Um, And then any other resources that we think will be useful to this episode will be in the show notes. So thank you very much for showing up with us and looking forward to seeing you in the next one. In the next one, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take care.